how we've all had, we've all lived in the soup and we've all consumed the Kool-Aid around, um, you know, kind of, you know, and we're, and we're, there's a waking up now about like, you know, wait a minute, just wait a goddamn minute. Like, these are not my values. These are the values that were, that have played out, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I abide in those values. Yeah. Right. Hi, everyone. We've already been conversating, or that's not even where conversing. Yeah. So, so we, we just hit record because we're on a roll. So yes. like, let's, let's just record because yeah. we came on, we're like, what are we going to talk about? And then we just started talking about it. So welcome to Conversations with Titar and Tiffany and Pamela Davis and Erin Birch, our regular guests. Ladies, thank you for joining us. Now we are two black women and two white women. And we've just been talking about the Olympics and the patriarchy. And Tita was talking about how she's sick and tired of it. And Pam had her perspective. So let's just keep the conversation going. It started off with, how did it even start? Tita, you were just saying you're just sick of all the, well, you said you're sick of white men. Let's just face it. Okay, yeah, now I'm about to get blasted by every <laughs> white person. But, we, but, we're, but we, we're with her. We're, with, we're, with, we're just going to say. Okay, let me, say, let me preface yeah. that. I have, some, I have some great white men in my life, like Ryan and a few others that are very. That we had uh, on the show last week. Yeah, the week before. So what she's meaning, people, <laughs> is that <laughs> just essentially, I mean, I always, I've said this, so I've said this before. I, again, I always have to go back. Look who's, who are our, con- look at our Congress, look at our um, Capitol Hill, right? They're still mm-hmm. white men who are running things. So, and when we say running things, they think they know how to run things for everybody. So that's for women, that's for people of color, that's for children, all that. But they're white men with their only white men really perspective and experiences. So it's really hard for me to see white men running things and telling people what they should or shouldn't experience, how they should or shouldn't experience um, when they can't speak for um, the people. So that's more my my challenge is... um, and it was in reference to the Olympics, like the woman. But it was, re- yeah, it was reference to the Olympics because um, I can't think of her name. Sorry, folks. I'll make sure we have the show notes. But mm-hmm. one of the runners, uh, women, black runners, basically can't run in the Olympics because she missed her um, her drug um, test, and it wasn't she missed it because she was doing drugs and wanted to kind of like see if she could do something else to not let it show up right on the test but she didn't have abortion and I really felt bad for her because she had to literally put out her whole business Mm -hmm. so that they could believe that she just wasn't skipping out on her drug test so she's already vulnerable with that right and then to share that and when you're she's probably nervous and all that too and so I guess the date that she put that she told them she had abortion was different from the date from what the doctor had stamped, but I guess it was like a, almost a 24 hour difference. And so because of that, they think that she tried to tamper the time stamp. And so they banned her for five years, five years. So that means she's missing this Olympics and then the next wow. Olympics. So basically her career's over because of some time thing. And from my understanding, from her statement, she was saying, how can these white men speak for me, speak for my experience, speak for my mental, you know, psyche experience and tell me what I did and why I did it and just suspend me. So that's why I was like her entire career too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Totally. Yes. And five years but you didn't, but that's the thing, five years. And she, but it wasn't like she had, she didn't have any drugs in her. And so you think about some of these other athletes who've been mm-hmm. caught, who happened to be, you know, I, I just, I, for me, it was just how can, I'm sick and tired of men, especially, and I'm saying white men because I'm being honest. Let's call spades spades, right? We, we know who tends to run things and I'm sick and tired of them telling us how we, 
should experience things or, or that we're not being truthful and what we're stating. Oh, curious if what the, what the real issue was, was it, was it lying? Was it the fact that she had an abortion and that came out? Sure. How are we to know like what the yeah. issue actually was and what, what the decision was actually predicated on? Yeah. But that, but that's not the first time though. Um, I was watching, I was watching The View not too, a couple of weeks ago um, and they were talking about how women who were breastfeeding were being uh, put in a position where they were not, if they wanted to compete, they were gonna have to leave their young children behind. <clears throat> and one of the athletes um, got on social media and expressed her displeasure with why the Olympic Committee was now putting her in this position where she couldn't bring her child with her to breastfeed. And I guess they wound up, I understand that they are reversing course on that decision, but again, it kind of speaks to what we were talking about, the patriarchy making some, some of those decisions. I just think that the Olympic Committee, um, definitely a lot of their policies are being looked at because it's a totally different time. Like 2021, this is a whole different time, especially I think even coming out of a pandemic, you have to think about it. These mothers who had children during this time are gonna be even more connected to their kids and not feel comfortable being away from their, their, their young nursing children. So why would you not look at how you can make concessions? I mean, you make concessions for breastfeeding mothers on jobs in, a, in the airport, why would you not do this? It, it's just very um, outdated, but even that even speaks to what happened with Shikari Richardson because I understand drugs are drugs. I totally understand. But if you can legalize marijuana and make a profit off of it, I don't really see how you couldn't have allowed exactly. marijuana to be in her system right. and you still allow her to run. It's not a enhancing drug. It's ridiculous. Not at all. It's like the anti-performance enhancing drug. I'm not saying <laughs> it wasn't. It really is. Most people yeah. I know are not. I saw her run 10-7 bullshit on some marijuana. It ain't happening. But... Um, I said, you know, maybe that means that you need to outdate it. I'm just bringing it up because I think about Naomi Osaka pulling out of yep. the tennis yep. tournaments plan for her mental health. Shikari's yep. mother has just died. Mental health is real. Mm -hmm. Nursing mom is real. Why are these patriarchal systems not taking into consideration real life? <laughs> I just don't understand. Because it. it's the patriarchy and it's predominantly led by white men and we're still unfortunately in that system but I loved what you were saying Pam before where I was like let's just record you were saying Erin you said something and then uh, Pam started to say something about but black people are just standing up oh now. yeah what was that well, that was really good that was go go, go. that was to um, Gwen Berry Gwen Berry is the athlete who turned her back to oh, yeah. the black I saw her talked about on the view as well and um, Megan McCain was very incensed about it because she's more of a, a, a traditional patriot. A patriot, you know, you should never turn on your flag, what da da da. And Gwen Berry, if I do understand, I believe she is in the has been in the military, so she's very patriotic. That's not a concern. I think she even has military family members. But she said the reason she turns her back on the flag is because the the this the national anthem. It's not the flag. It's the national anthem does not represent her. And we've all know that the national anthem does have divisive lyrics as it relates to black people. And for black people to be subjected to having to pledge allegiance to something that is counterintuitive to our well-being is very divisive. And I think black people are just tired. Like we are tired of having to just go with it because it makes everybody feel good. And then your patriarch, your patriotism to this country get questioned. We built this country. Myself, Native Americans, Asian Americans, we built this country, blood, sweat, and tears. So I don't know anybody who's going to be more patriotic than us, but our relationship is going to be complicated. Mm -hmm. And that's just how it's going to be. And everybody needs to stop acting like we need to forget that. I, I think that Gwen Berry is saying, I'm not forgetting it. She did say it. I am not forgetting the complex relationship that I have with America and it doesn't represent me. So I cannot, I can't really celebrate it. Yeah. And I want to say like, as someone looking at a woman doing that, to me, that is such a brave thing to do. 
She's getting so ridiculed for it, but this is her, this is her Olympic career, right? Mm -hmm. And she's, she's taking a stand on a, on a national, not a national, international forum for everyone to see. And she's brave enough to do that. Like, that's an amazing woman to me. It's her legacy and she's not being complicit. You know what I mean? She's like, I won't be complicit. And that's, and I think that's what a lot of black women are really like, you know what, this is, this is me. I, I'm not going to be complicit. I, I have so much greatness and I want me to tell what my legacy is going to be like. I am going to put my legacy on the you know, stage of what it needs to be like, instead of you trying to tell me what it needs to be like. And so I think yeah. a lot of black women are trying to they're, they're trying they're just like no I'm, I'm not gonna be complicit anymore and I don't care if if it puts me in a negative light that's I don't care right because at yeah. the end of the day they're gonna be so much more peaceful they took Absolutely. a stand yeah <laughs> and, and it's not bad I'm, I mean another part of the argument that I heard was you know athletes especially com- um you know, communicating on international stage, how embarrassing it can be for the country, because then countries are able to go back and leverage the divisiveness that occurs here against us on the international stage, which I know Vladimir Putin did do when uh, Joe Biden was uh, there during their summit. He brought up the fact that how easy it is for America to be so judgmental of what they do when you have Black Lives Matter and all this unrest in your own country. However, to me, that's an issue... You, you really just have, that means that you haven't really fixed your problems like most countries <laughs> and you try to sweep them under the rug and unfortunately the rug got too crowded and everything came out. But I, another point was made of how athletes should not utilize their platforms in those manners. That like now it's starting to become even more of a concern like you, like remember when I believe, um, I can't remember the Fox News post, I think it was Laura Ingram who told LeBron James that he should just shut up and dribble during the Black Lives Matter movement. Like those also the black girls. Remember the head coach of oh yeah. Of was it a college? I don't remember. Or no, she's an owner. I can't remember what team, but she basically was caught saying they Oh yeah. Yeah, like they just need to do the they just need to dribble or they just need to play basketball. The way you know right. something like I can't remember exactly verbatim, but basically just, they yeah. just need to shut up and, and focus. Yeah, but it's like we're always about entertaining. Like that's what we're here to do. Like I, I'm supposed to entertain you, right. make you feel good. So what you treat us like crap? So what that it is 400 years later, and I'm still talking about almost some of the same things, which is a little bit more <laughs> freedoms than back then. That's ridiculous. And I think people have to understand that the construct, kind of like what Aaron was saying earlier, the construct is failing. That's why you keep having all of these conversations over and over again, because the approach that you've been taking for all these decades and generations, it has hit the wall. And you have a whole new generation of people who are like, no. Yeah, it's true. We we had one on our show last week. It was just so amazing that... The, the the willingness to speak out the next generation has that they're going to lead the way but we've still got to do our work yeah i yeah, yeah. <laughs> go ahead aaron what were you going to say we have to look at the backdrop you know like all of all, all of the places where we've got division all the places where we've built walls inner walls outer walls you know somebody else like it's just it's there's a there's the the bigger story that everything happens in right and I'm not minimizing any of the stories because the stories are very real it's just that there's a broader bigger situation and and I think that that's it's like we really have to start addressing that in ourselves like the times when I want to divide or I want to create and accept you know like just all of that all of those stories that I've got going on in my head regardless of you know who I am where I come from what my skin color is what my perspective is because it's it's that which feeds like the the divisions in me 
feed the 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 machine of the of the patriarchy that's so out of balance you know mm. so when we come together which i love that we're doing this right when we come together and create like listening and sharing and perspectives and stuff it's like okay you know we just adding this little piece to the whole whether anybody listens to it or not which i hope they do is is um you know it's it's like the place where we can start to unravel some of that toxicity and create bridges rather than walls so that's all yeah and yeah. i hear you and i agree with you however i will say though it's the division is not me i i, I really feel like i've done nothing wrong to create um color division you know what i'm saying like but i feel like the blame comes to a lot of us um people of color you know and the unraveling is not me you know what i mean like the unraveling of that division has to transpire from the majority race which happens to be the white the white race that tends to have the backdrop and to me, the backdrop is systematic racism. That is the backdrop. It's, it's infiltrated into the banking systems. It's infiltrated into the housing systems. It's infiltrated into the educational systems. So that's the backdrop. And, and so I don't, you know, I do these podcasts, you know, with uh, Tiffany and I think we have some great people that come on and so forth. But sometimes, you know, I have conversations with some of, um, my black people and we're like, dang, it feels like sometimes like we're going backwards. Like I, the more that we are vocal, then the more we we're all these new different policies and stuff to shut, to suffocate, you mm -hmm. know? So, so that bridge is not, it, it, it can't transpire if folks majority who are whites don't want to necessarily really realize the background or once ignore what that backdrop is which is you know systematic racism and just like the whole thing with the critical race theory like you know trying to say well it's not it's not infiltrated into everyday life yes it is yes it is you know so so i hear what you're saying and that's that would be the perfect ideal right it's for all this unraveling to happen so that we can have the bridge but my question is, where does that really unraveling start so that the so that we can have the bridges? You know, I, I don't know. Some I I really just I don't know because every time there's tries to be, then mm -hmm. there's something else trying to squash it. Like well, two steps forward, once, yeah, one step forward, yeah. one step back. I completely hear what you're saying like the more you speak up the more you they find ways to silence right i get that and i and that hurts me and um it i guess in one sense i i feel that it's a, a celebration because that's the like that's the degree to which you're being effective mm. <laughs> and, and you know like right. like mm. you know that's that's to me it's like okay yeah i hear you and like at some point there will be a tipping point it feels like to me you know i don't know i can't read mm -hmm. the tea but um it feels like that you know there's only so much you can stuff a genie back into a bottle whether mm -hmm. that genie is you know about i mean look at what's happening with lgbtq like there's so much pushback right now which mm -hmm. just goes to show you how much traction has been happening right yeah like, again trying to shove the genie back in the bottle and mm -hmm. and they can in some ways in some places but there's going to be a tipping point where humanity says no no more or or mm -hmm. there's going to be a shift in the power dynamics or there's going to be a shift in something but i mean i applaud the fact that there's there's the pushback in a way because you got to be like okay we're getting to them <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. but there has to be. I think that's the difference. Like, there has to be the tipping point. But the tipping point has to, I also think, start with us. 
I feel like for many, many years, we have all become very comfortable being spoon fed information. And we have, we have, I, I hate to say it, we have become, we have stopped being a society of critical thinkers because mm -hmm. we get information so fast, so much in all formats, it's like rapidly being thrown at you. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times the information that's being thrown at us is to push a specific agenda. Sure. Because like we're sitting here, we're talking about critical race theory. And it's funny because like critical race theory is now the, the buzzword. Yeah. But critical it's been theory, around forever. It's been around forever. <laughs> and, and it does not apply to the excuse me, to the methodology that it's being explained in. Right. So what I mean for that is that critical race theory, the definition is a body of legal scholarship and an academic movement of civil rights scholars and activists in the United States that seeks to critically examine U.S. law as it intersects with the issues of race in the United States and to challenge mainstream American liberal approaches to racial justice. So essentially, it's going to talk to what we were talking about in regards to institutionalized racism and systemic racism. But you notice that the politicians are pushing critical race theory in a sense of trying to say that it's a methodology that's being taught in schools to right. indoctrinate children to believe that this country is lesser than, when in actuality, it's that has not. nothing to do it's with the format of what critical race theory is, but they're not going to tell you that because they want to continue to push that fear-mongering approach to being able to keep people constantly engaged on political issues that push a political agenda. And we don't, as citizens, Black, white, LGBTQIA, white, whatever, realize that we are being spoon-fed this information, we will then allow these laws that will come into play that will indoctrinate our children. We have to be a lot more awake. And that's what worries me because the construct, they know the construct is falling apart. I mean, we can talk about the fact that you're right, LGBTQIA is under attack. I mean, they are, and they wanna try to push it back in the bottle because now there's becoming become more mobilized. They're a political force. They're a force. I mean, Pete Buttigieg is in the government. He is openly gay, he is married that unsettles them. They are trying to go back to the fact that the majority of people who are in the Senate are white. They are not of color in any form or fashion, but now we are starting to push the line with that. So they're utilizing whatever they can to be able to help push the narrative that if you don't go ahead and stick with this plan, it's all gonna fall apart. And in actuality, it's not gonna fall apart. We're just gonna become a country that is actually more socialized that cares better about their people and that does things that are going to help the masses, which will in turn cause you not to make as much money as you've been able to make over these decades and centuries that you've been indoctrinating us. At, but at the cost of some of our civil liberties. So we have to just kind of like, I, I really, if I were to say anything, it's we have to wake up. Like we, we gotta really look at who is the real issue. Are we going to keep falling into these black or white issues? Are we going to recognize that there is a construct that is in play here that's affecting us? I mean, it's affecting everything now. Look at the people who are not working. Everyone's always talking about how this $300 a week is just keeping people from having corporate America jobs. No, it's not. It's called I'm working for bare minimum wages with bullshit insurance. And I am not making enough money after giving my blood, sweat, and tear equity to this job to be able to sustain my family. And I'm tired of it. And I'm trying to find another route. That's why you're seeing more people become entrepreneurs and figuring out that I don't, the traditional path just doesn't work. It's the construct. And that's how are we going to fix that? That to me is like the greater issue of it all. I'm wondering if the critical race thing is just now being played as a card, you know, um, as a, because there's in reaction to George Floyd, all mm -hmm. there's been so much education happening, particularly mm -hmm. with white people, and white people have been more hungry for it, and yep. and so, and so now the pushback is well, well, let's start young, let's start indoctrinating them young, just using the spin doctor approach around critical mm -hmm. race theory. To, to make it sound 
like palatable for everybody. <laughs> you know about that? Absolutely. That's why there's so much flack around the 1619 Project, because the 1619 Project by Nicole Hannah-Jones really maps out the systemic oppression that slavery has had and how it has infiltrated in almost of our systems and how that is a problem. Because now you have white people who are feeling it. You got black people who are feeling it. You start to get Hispanics. Everybody starts to rally against. George Floyd was an anomaly. We haven't seen anything like that since the 60s. So they're like, uh, 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 uh. And corporate America was towing the line. Mm. The government could not stop them. Corporate America was quick. I'm, I'm with y'all. I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm exiting money. I'm stopping giving money to these politicians. Yes, I'm putting it in the community. These, some of these corporations have really gone in wholeheartedly and they're not pulling out. And it is frightening them. Yeah, money money talks, unfortunately. It still talks. Money is power. Yeah. So. I'm really feeling the fear, you know, that's happening with the patriarchy. I'm really, I'm really sensing that that all this pushback is just from this fear place. Which again, I mean, I think that um, anytime they can turn back and create division, um, I mean connection is the enemy of any autocratic society. You know, connection, 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 which is why mm -hmm. I'm on this podcast. Because again, like this is what we're doing is creating more connective tissue in terms of the stories mm -hmm. and perspectives and the, you know, and, and telling our truth in that way that hopefully people will be like, ooh, tell me more, you know, because I think, right. you know, anytime we can, anytime you buy into a division consciousness, a you, you know, and even, even, even calling out patriarchy is still a division consciousness. So if we have to get really granular in terms of like, how do I operate myself in this world? Mm -hmm. I think it starts from that place. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Pamela, Pamela has the the Well Done Life podcast. It's it's the the internal first. People want to. Yeah. I think a lot of people want to skip that, right? Like blame everyone else. Yeah. And we all carry hurt. I mean, all of us are hurt. There's, I mean, that's, it's natural. There's hurt no matter what aspect of life that we are living in. We've all had our personal experiences and they frame how we interact with each other. And unfortunately, you live, we live in a society that plays upon that in a lot of instances with our marketing and our messaging. And it just feeds into people's fears and you just continuously create branches of division. And at some point in time, you've got to figure out how to stop that. We're not each, I don't think we are each other's enemies. Don't get me wrong. Yes, there is lots of divisiveness and across, but we're not each other's enemies. It's just, you have to be open to heal yourself enough to see that so that we can really get down to the root of where things lie and how we all want to live. Because I think ultimately, if we were to separate skin color from everyone, we all primarily want the same thing. Mm -hmm. we, want, we want to be, I want to be free. I want to live well. I want my family to be taken care of. And I want to make a good living. I'm not asking for the government to take care of me. I don't think any of us are asking for the government to take care of us. We just want to be in a position where my existence does not jeopardize my life for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it I just, it can't, yeah, and I also think to your point, though, like you said, we have to kind of see, we all have different stories and we all have different experiences and we have got to kind of look internally, you know, first. Yeah. Um, but I think with that, what's interesting, and I think it also is hard too for society because I feel like when I've been able to look internally, be more conscious, be more um, whole and heal, mm -hmm. I'm actually understanding though, that I, there's lots of things that has transpired that was hurtful. I didn't do anything wrong. So folks might take that as like, well, she's not trying to be um, connected. And that's not the case. It's just more like I, you wanting to be racist or you wanting to be, um, you know, a, a man who wants to, ensure that you're the women are submissive has nothing to do with me right 
because I didn't do anything wrong. It has to do with you and your challenge and your problem. So I'm getting more to that. Whereas before I probably just played into it unconsciously and just kind of like allow where, yeah, I mean, I do think I'm one of those more who are vocal and be like, and I could go like this and people could be like, maybe I'm not compassionate. I don't care, but that's not the case. It's just that I'm not going to take on other people's um, problems or challenges when, when they need to do their work, you know, and, and not play into and being compassionate. That's going to eliminate them from being responsible. Cause you can, people can manipulate, right. And play that role and you can try to be compassionate towards them, but then deep down, they're just manipulating the situation. So I even just being a black woman and not being complicit anymore. I, I mean, you know, people can, I, Hey, I don't know. They can say, well, she's wrong in her approach, but I, I'm not going to, um, take on other people's like problems yeah. so you know what I'm saying so if I'm yeah. not being compassionate enough are you talking about like judge, judge that then like, that's on them I guess I don't are know. you are you talking <laughs> about like not taking it personally like that's their stuff and that's not on me I'm not doing anything wrong I'm I'm doing me I'm doing T-Tower I'm doing Tiffany I'm doing the best that I can I'm doing my inner work. So therefore, whatever they're doing is is about them. It's not a reflection of who I am. Is that yeah. kind of what you mean? Yeah, that's, yeah. And then, but also I'm, I might not right away just try to be connected. I'm just being real, like connected with mm. someone, you know, like connected to hear that, to bring that bridge. I need to ensure that I, that it's going to be a real thing. It's not going, because that's the thing. That's where a lot of the pain and hurts come from is optics, right? And we saw that with the ESPN um, commentators, the, yeah. the black women and the white women. Like the black lady thought the white counterpart was her ally. And, you know, and until she was caught um, on a recording and basically downplaying her merit of receiving her promotion or her role um, she was basically saying oh, it's because she's a color woman, you know, she's a, a black woman. So my point is that they were connected because she, the black lady felt like, okay, this is, I'm connected to her. This is my ally. I'm safe. So what I'm saying is my approach is a little bit different. So I don't know if people will say it's going to be backwards or what, but I'm not going to allow myself just to get connected. Cause someone says that they want to build a bridge because that's not truly the case. Sometimes they want to build a bridge so they can take control. So that's what I'm saying. So I don't know if that means like I'm not being compassionate. I don't know if that means I'm being decisive, but I'm just not going to readily just be connected to someone that, that says that they want to um, build a bridge when it comes to race relations. It feels like you, that, you, that they have to earn trust first is what I'm hearing. I'm not I'm not suggesting and I wasn't saying you Erin so don't take it I'm just saying because like because Pamela brought up something about like uh, I she brought something up and it made me think like oh. I'm not gonna I won't easily just yeah yeah about hurt people <laughs> hurt. yeah <laughs> march along what I'm hearing from you is is that you want to be discerning about how you connect and I totally yeah. agree with that absolutely yeah. oh Absolutely. Yeah. And I really hear that. And I honor that in every way. I, I think, you know, um, when we're not discerning about our trust and where we're not discerning about our connections, it can really turn around and bite us like you're, this way you're talking about. Yeah. Pretend the optics and the performance and the pretending that's really unraveling. It's like it, it's, we've seen a lot from last year to this year. It's unraveled a lot and it's just, it's unfortunate because I think a lot of us really were like believing in these allyships and now we're really seeing that it was really, a lot of it was very optic. Yeah, it, it's just that um, 
I think people forgot that it's okay to be skeptical. I always think about uh, Dom, Dom Miguel Ruiz and the four agreements. The fifth agreement is that it is okay to be skeptical. Like, I think, you know, we just want to believe that sometimes someone is, you know, a partner. And I'm going to put it even on the black side and a white side because right. they're not all white people have your back. Not all white people have your back. It's just in general. Um, it's okay to be skeptical. You should be. That's why God gave you discernment so that you can know who should be in your circle and who shouldn't be. And you have to utilize that. And especially in situations where allyship is involved because um, back then, I hate to say it last year, during George Floyd, you did, you saw it. I even think of it from a social media perspective. You saw a lot of white influencers going out here and trying to follow black people like left and right because you wanted to look like you were part of the clique. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem that a lot of black people have sometimes with with people with white people that it seems like you love all of the benefits of us but when it comes down to the experience of us that's hands off and that's a problem if you're an ally you got to take the good with the bad so you have to make sure when you discern who you should let into your circle like that you know that person has that type of discernment like i I mean tiffany you've paid your stripes i totally do believe that you are genuine in your journey of allyship i would say the same with you aaron but I would say that, yes, there are plenty of people who are not genuine in their servantship because it's just the, for a look. And when the look is over, you're moving back into your little silo. And I would say the same thing for Black people. Not all, you know that. I mean, Tita, we know. Not all kin folk, not all skin folk is kin folk. That is just how we were raised. <laughs> it takes work. That's a thing. Like allyship isn't like, a you know, follow someone on social media and post a few posts or a Black square and then you're an ally. Like I'm still on the journey. I know Erin's still on the journey. You know, we shared a couple of weeks ago about how I totally effed up about my allyship. Like it's not an overnight thing. And it's a, you know, to what Erin was talking about before, it's like an unraveling for white people Mm -hmm. to really unlearn things that have become so ingrained in who you are to like really watch every move, every thought, every thing that you say, it's like, constant and I'm I, like I, I I'm lucky I have the benefit of Tita my boyfriend you my other people I have a lot of people of color friends right that are that are willing to have the dialogue and the conversation with me and there's a lot of white people that don't have that or aren't seeking it or aren't genuine about it or just not trying like it's a it's a lifelong dedicate I think it's a dedication it's a devotion I want to change. I want to be different. You know, I have a a little bit of a different lens because I am Australian, but I watch my racism lens through my Australian lens. Like my racism is more towards, um, um, you know, Asian people. Like my bias is there because, um, or Aboriginal people, right? My biases are there rather than black Americans. I've said that before, because to me, if you're, Asian American, Black American, Hispanic American, you just, you're American to me. I don't know why. I also brought up with a lot of American popular culture as an Australian. So a lot of Black pop music, a lot of Black TV, a lot of Black people in movies. So to me, Black people are are synonymous with America. Like that Black people are American to me, you know. So I have a little bit of a different lens, but I'm still unraveling my own biases regardless because I'm a white person, you know, and that's taken years of understanding. So you're right. Like there are a lot of people out there, white people out there that are just doing it for show. And it annoys me. I can't even yeah. imagine what it's like for you. Like. Just- and I think, and, and, and we, it's interesting because you're saying unlearning and unraveling. We got a comment about that. Like it says it's unlearning for all people. There are so many stereotypes that are assumed to be mm. facts about all groups. We, we True. all need to do our work if we wanted to be changed. And that's where I, I guess I was trying to say is my work for me is to not be complicit. That is my unraveling. So that's why I mean, like, yes, we're not to assume, not to judge, but mine is to not be complicit. Mm. Mine is to resist. Mine is to, to literally put out right when I know you are being racist or you are being discriminatory. That is how I unravel. That makes sense. Because if I don't, 
resist, if I'm, if I don't, if I be complicit, then nothing will change. So the, I, so I guess that's why I'm saying I do mine. I think that's how mine is done. Got it. Then versus like kumbaya kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, and that's fair. Cause that hit me. That made me think there's times when I have gone along to get along and I have swallowed and I make it, I make you in your mind think that it's okay to treat me the way that you do, knowing that you probably go out and treat other people that way. And that is something that I have to work through just because I generationally was taught to play the game. Right. Yeah. It physically has deteriorated me to do that, yeah. to swallow, to be yes. complicit. So that's why I, I know some people might be like, wow, she's just really vocal and she's really, you know, resistance to, you're an angry black woman, Tita. Yeah, I'm an angry black woman. But um, at the end of the day, no, my health and my peace. Your um, truth. Is, your truth. Supersedes right. your lack of. Your comfortability. Comfortability. Yeah. Comfortability. <laughs> I don't know. Is that a word? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a, yeah, that makes sense. So that's my way of unraveling mm. it for people yeah. and but others. You have to create spaces for people to be their most authentic self. Like that's the issue. We even from a black, a white, um, a LGBTQIA Asian, we have to create spaces where people don't feel like they got to fit into a box in order to make someone else feel comfortable. Yes, that yeah. is the best part of that societal yeah. thing where you feel that pressure within yourself. Like I have to be comfortable working. I, I work in corporate America. I feel like I have to diminish parts of my personality in order for you to um, feel comfortable with me. Because when I, if I raise my voice or you view it as I'm angry when I'm really just passionate and you're not willing to reach out to find right. out about that. Right. So I spend so much time compartmentalizing myself yeah. that it's just, you become indoctrinated. And I think yeah. that becomes across the board where maybe as a white person, you might not feel comfortable talking to a black woman like myself because it might feel like, okay, she's going to be like, when you should feel comfortable enough to say to me, hey, or I try to hopefully cultivate that audience where you would feel comfortable enough asking me a question. And hey, that's where those dialogues come in. I think we all have to work better at having that. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. oh, Aaron, can you yeah, hear me? Oh, we can't hear you. Oh, okay. That's weird. Um, oh, we can I hear you now. Okay. You're quiet, but we can hear you. Okay. Yeah. I love what you were saying, Pamela, because it, it's in the dialogue, right? Where you, and, and Tito, what you were saying is that you're not willing to be complicit anymore. And, and I think that's really important so that, so that we can share, you know, we can break down um the other right like when you show up as a human rather than as a black woman or i show up as a human rather than a white woman or i show up as a you know it's like it's like that's when that's where the that's when things get really um interesting um, i had sent this to tiffany and um hopefully she can send it to you all too or i can either one but um it was a, like an hour and 40 minute podcast with Russell Brand and this woman who had done documentaries. She's a Muslim woman who grew up in Norway. Fascinating. She's done a TED talk as well. But she did this, this whole thing. She did documentaries about the Ku Klux Klan and the jihadists. And she mm -hmm. takes a very strong stance about violence and it's particularly violence about women, and particularly violence about women of color. And so um, she was just talking the more she immersed herself in the documentary story the more she became um it, it became harder for her to be without you know without um it, it her judgments had a harder time staying in place and 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 as she got to know some of these people she became friends with um, mm -hmm. people that she was doing the documentary about and and she said to them you know would you would you deport me and they're like no because you're my friend and so she she mm -hmm. broke down barriers by being a connected interested human so I want to mm -hmm. you know I want to hear the stories I want to hear 
the perspective. Mm. That gives me a way to feel into your world mm. so that I can be an ally. I can't be an ally if I don't hear your stories and your pain and your your perspective, mm. you know, like that's where the allyship mm-hmm. really takes root. Like, mm. really, mm. That's like, true. Yeah. yeah. That's why we do this yeah. show, right? Yeah. 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 And I, and I know, and I think, you know, it also like your, to your point, um, Aaron, and um, every black person, like we always say, has different experience, but we were having, Tiffany and I had a conversation with somebody last week and there was something she made a great point about the, that we're because she's black and we were we might have different experiences but we have like pretty much the same root roots Mm -hmm. when it comes to being black in america right and um but to your point i think because of the different experiences it is great to hear the stories and tiffany knows more of my upbringing and i think because of my upbringing and a very suppressed um environment living in a white neighborhood and mm-hmm. when now that I'm really healing through that stuff and I, and I, and I really see and more witness like what I went through. So it makes sense. Yeah. So it's probably a little wonky for me compared and I'm probably will even out to not be so, but I'm a little angry and I think it's okay for me to be angry because okay. of, <laughs> so I'll say that. So yeah, if y'all want to say I'm an angry black woman, go ahead. Okay. Because yes, I am going to own it, but I'm going to own it with you hearing truths now that's a difference truth and you know a real real story of what a black woman has gone through to where it has it it, it's warranted for her to be a little angry right so so yeah i I think there's different levels so i know it it's gonna eventually level itself out for me where i still won't be complicit and i'll still be able to have these great conversations and stuff but I just, when I look back at just things and like just things that I went through because of not liking the color of my skin, not liking who I was, you know, and just, you know, being spit on, being chased because of the color of my skin, you know? So I'm still, even though I'm healing, I know I'm still working through some of those things. So I think I am a little wonky with my way of not of unraveling because I'm still trying to grasp with like how why you know like it's repression on so many levels like coming to the surface because you're healing it and I think owning anger especially for women especially black women is a really powerful emotion to own and not be apologetic about it. Yes, I'm an angry yeah. woman. I've yeah. got every right yeah. to be angry, yeah. angry. And there's nothing wrong with anger. It's not a bad emotion. Everyone no. has it. It just comes up in repressed and different ways. I don't yeah. think black women are allowed to express that enough. So effort, like yeah. be an angry black woman, you've got every right to be, you know? Like there's power in that, I think. Yeah, I think so I- too. I totally agree with that. It's just unfortunately, society doesn't give you that path. Right, right. You're right. You're totally right. Right, right, right. Because right. right. they're just going to say, I'm just angry. and Because it's yeah. scary yeah. to people, right? Like, it's, it's. I look beautiful. I don't look scary. That's <laughs> <laughs> ah, my angriest look. No, like, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're in alignment with it, which I think is where the power comes from. Yeah. Mm. I agree. Yeah, you have to say more about that. I'm sorry. We have time. Say more about that. I like that. That you're owning it, Tita, in a way that's like both unapologetic and um and and yes, there's some righteousness in there, all of that. But you're also saying, you know, right now, I'm I'm unpacking this. I'm healing it. Yeah. I'm 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 not I'm not. I'm no longer, you know, uh, allowing this to run over me. I'm standing in the way of it and I'm, and I'm, and I'm integrating myself with it in a way that yes, I'm angry and yes, there's no apology for it. And yes, you can hear this, like actually giving people the empowerment to hear this, Mm -hmm. I think is super, um, I think it has impact and I, and I, and I appreciate it. 
And and speaking of clunky, like I'm going to be a clunky ally. Mm. Right. Yeah. Just- yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think she's. We just can't hear you. Oh, we can't hear you again. (laughs) There you go. There you are. Um, I do have to say that I have to be off in about seven minutes because I have a client coming, and I. That's okay. That's perfect. Let's just wrap it up. I feel like this was such a great, robust, another great, robust conversation. We covered so much. We're just making notes on all the different things that we covered, so I can remember for the. The, the the show notes but yeah. um Aaron wrapped it up really well you did you All did yeah <laughs> you did Aaron so great okay. <laughs> so uh Pamela you have an amazing podcast how can people find you um you can find me at the weldonlife at gmail.com or on Instagram at the weldonlife podcast yay we love her podcast go listen Aaron how can people find you <laughs> Erin <laughs> Birch, the body whisperer on Instagram. Uh, yep, the body whisperer on Instagram. Yep, although I'm not posting. <laughs> That's okay. Go and find her so she'll post. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can you can find her through me. If you want to connect with Erin, just find me and Titar and we'll connect you. But she's an amazing body worker. The Birch method is incredible. Uh, and Tita, how do they find us? Tita, no, I'm playing. A black girl. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Just I'm Google gonna... Tita and you'll find us. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Tita, yeah, not T. Did I say it right? Tita, not Tita. You didn't say Titar. It's when you're talking. It's when you're talking fast and then you'll say Titar. Oh, wow. when I'm talking fast, I say it wrong? Yes. Well, well, you don't say it wrong. You're just, it's just your That's accent. Funny. You're just like, yeah. welcome oh, to Titar and Tiffany. I didn't even Conversa- Conversations. No, you said, welcome to Conversations with Titar and Tiffany. It's okay. I accept it. You, I don't mind at all. I don't, that, I'll allow you to do that. And I have one other friend in my life, I allow to call me TT. But otherwise, everybody else has to just call me Titar. So it's okay. Okay. You got it. You're good. All right. Find us at conversations. Com, com, no, blackgirlwhitegirlconversations.com. We're all there. Okay, let's wrap it up. That'll do for today. Thank you so much, sisters. We so appreciate you. Um, we have these beautiful ladies on every single month that come in and join and add to the conversation. We cherish them. We love them. And hopefully we can do this in person record like on a couch like the view one time however they do yes, it. That'd be so fun that'd be yeah so fun. you and Aaron come to Orlando yeah yeah and we'll do that I know you want a beach trip anyway so maybe always yeah. always yeah, yeah. <laughs> so all right thanks Great. everyone thank you, right. thank you. Bye.